Live from Detroit, it's the Lowdown on Motown Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dane Williams, Junko Bodie, and Bob Daniele. If you're looking for the best present to take to your mother-in-law's birthday party, you're in the wrong place, dude. We talk Michigan sports here. It's real, it's raw, and there are no punches pulled. What happens when you put a gambler, a rocket scientist, and a radio jock in the same room? Well, we're all about to find out, and it probably won't be pretty. But whatever happens, it will be lively. So grab a brew, sit yourself in your favorite rocker, and take notes, if you're some kind of nutcase. The boys are back in town and talking about the stuff that matters, Motown sports. So let's get to it, people. Here is the host of today's show, Boogie Bob Danielli. Well, hello, everyone. Hello, sports fans in Detroit. This is Junko Bodie. Unfortunately, Boogie Bob Danielli is not with us this week. That was something about going to Las Vegas, his wife's 40th wedding anniversary, and seeing his grandchild. I mean, it sounds like pretty lame excuses to me. What do you think, Dane? 40 years, that's what I think. My <laughs> Lord. You and I never got close to that. <laughs> no, we never did, did we? So this is my co-host, Blue Dane Williams. Uh, it's just the two of us today. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Wolverines, a little bit about the Spartans. We're going to talk a little Lions football. You know, basically cover the gambit of the lowdown sports scene today. So first of all, let's talk about the national scene day. Wow, what a bunch of great games this past week. I was afraid we weren't going to have any terrific games because they all look like, you know, blowouts on paper. But boy, there's some really some unique stuff happened. I mean, let's start with Nebraska losing again and Scott Frost getting the axe. What do you think about that? Not unexpected, obviously. Scott Frost has really struggled in Nebraska. When they first hired him, I, I really thought it was a good hire. I, obviously, they did too. And thought there'd be some really good things from Frost. But, you know, between his decisions, his players, miscues, they just have not been able to put it together there. So something's wrong. And even if the players are making miscues, the coach is the one to go. All those close <laughs> games over the last couple of years, he ends up at the end of it all with a 16-31 and 31 record, which is Never going to cut it in major college football, and especially so at Nebraska. But he gets a $15 million buyout on the way out. Not a, not a bad consolation prize, right? I mean, if he has to go into oblivion, might as well go into oblivion with $15 million, right? Not bad. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. And then how about Notre Dame starting 0-2 on the season? Is Marcus Freeman on the hot seat already? I'd like to say it breaks my heart. It really does <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dane, you and Notre Dame have a very special relationship, brother. Oh, we do. Yeah. 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 No, uh, I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. I mean, he's, you know, brand new coach. Notre Dame has obviously been a disappointment, uh, especially to the fans, I think. And I think the players are disappointed, too. I, I think they get it together here. Of course, their schedule gets well. It can't get much easier than Marshall, so we'll see what happens. You know, don't want to take anything away from Marshall. They played a really good game, so and uh, and they looked good. I'll take Especially, a couple of things away from Marshall. Marshall's not a great football team, uh, right? Yeah. So. Well, to go in go into that stadium and win is is pretty darn impressive, though. Yeah, really, really darn impressive. Yeah, so. give kudos to Marshall for that. It, it okay. did surprise me. I ever thought Notre Dame would roll on them, and here comes Marshall with the with the win. So interesting. Yeah. And so then Iowa, how about them losing to Iowa State and back-to-back performances out of the shoot here? Their, their offense looks absolutely anemic. Oh, I Iowa is just 
they're a special team. <laughs> you mean like you know, special <laughs> needs or special ed or what are, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, I, um, I, I just say their offense is so special right now. You know, they're averaging uh, – actually, the offense is not averaging seven points a game because the defense scored four the first game. Right. Which, uh, But the seven points a game is absolutely last in FBS. I mean, absolutely last, which is, I guess, isn't a surprise. Yeah, that that offense is, is something they they actually got a touchdown, which uh, was better than the, the first week. But just Iowa, you know, Iowa State came back and and put them away because they they have no offense, no offense at all. I I need to look at their schedule again. I don't know who they're going to be. Yeah, <laughs> well, you look ahead to their schedule, and it doesn't get any easier from here for sure. Yeah. And I, you got to love Ferentz at his press conference when he looks directly into the camera and says, "Yeah, I think we need to score more on offense." Yeah, yeah, I think you're right there, Kirk. Yeah, Captain right. Obvious. Thanks. Right, and then how about Alabama barely survives the Texas game? And I tell you, they were very lucky to do so. Texas was banged up in that game near the end, and they they still almost pulled it out. You know, I had my prediction for the season day. Remember our season predictions? I had Alabama under, and under. it'd have been under for sure if they'd have lost this game. And I still think oh, they're yeah. going to lose two games this season. What did you think about Bama this weekend? I agree. What you know, I was watching that game, and uh, I was hoping Texas could pull it off. In fact, I was uh, texting back and forth with my son Corbin, and uh, he said, "Yeah, Texas looks pretty good. Alabama doesn't look good." I said, "Yeah, you know," but somehow I just have this feeling Alabama's going to pull it out, and they did. But yeah, they that was a scare. That was definitely a scare for Alabama. I, I'm sure uh, Mr. Saban is uh, chewing a few asses right now, and. I would expect them to come out a little hungrier uh, in the next game. Although, don't take – well, Texas wasn't ranked, I mean, but yeah. I don't know. Alabama is going to be interesting. Uh, well, you're right. It may be a blessing in disguise for the Crimson Tide and certainly a good outcome at the end of the game for Alabama. And but they said, good teams win the close games. So, there you go. Yeah. I, what surprised me about Alabama is, you know, most of those Saban teams are uh, pretty disciplined. And I just saw a lot of penalties. Too many penalties for a saving team. So uh, that was interesting. So how about the Florida Gators going out in game one and beating a ranked Utah, very good Utah team, which self-destructed in that game, I might add. But then number 20, Kentucky comes in and takes them down. It just seems like Billy Napier, the coach of Florida, can't stand prosperity. What was your take on that game? Kentucky played a played a darn good game. Um, interesting that, you know, in Gatorland, they were able to take down Florida. So. Again, our kudos to Kentucky. Don't have a lot to say about the game itself, you know, but it's early in the season. Florida could still bounce back. Yeah, and it's always a good day for me when I see Baylor lose. There's nothing worse than <laughs> Baylor fans, right? Yeah. I mean, I rank them right up there with Ohio State fans. And they play these weak-ass schedules, and they always want to be, you know, recognized, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's uh, some type of uh, syndrome that they have. But anyways, I was glad to see BYU take them out. BYU, how about them with a tough early schedule, taking on uh, a couple of ranked teams right out of the shooting and uh, having their way with them? They're looking really good this year. And, you know, I give a lot of kudos to the teams that are playing ranked teams right now. You know, early season predictions, too. You never know about those predictions. <laughs> you know, Wisconsin looks so good. We'll get probably get to that here in a little bit. But anyway, you know, Wisconsin got taken down too. So, and they were at least ranked, I think, uh, 19 there uh, last week. But yeah, so that's that's good. Yeah, Baylor goes away. That's I'm good with that too. 
Yeah, now BYU up to number 12. They're going to face 25, number 25, Oregon this weekend. So everybody can tune into that one. Okay, so yeah, kind of like segue in here, the wagering here. I mean, a lot of these games went against the spread. How did we do on our bets last week? I actually forgot what I said. <laughs> well, well, some of, yeah, some of these we didn't, we didn't wager, really. I mean, uh, we really talked about MSU and U of M, and I had those predictions down there. So last week, I don't think we talked too much about these other games, unless you made some uh, wagers uh, independently. Well, you know, I did give my pick of, a pick of the week last week, which was Central Michigan over the 59 points, and they covered with a, with a total of 62 points. So that said, just so we don't, before we get too far into this podcast and I forget to give my pick, I'm going to give my pick for this week too, which is going to be, uh, we're going to talk about MSU next. I'm going to take MSU under the 56.5 points this week, which segues us into, I see you writing that down. Make sure you make sure you keep that recorded, which segues us into the MSU game this weekend. Well, uh, before you go there, Junko. Okay. Let's talk nationally. There was another game that I'm surprised you didn't mention. Oh, what is that? What game do you think that is? Um, that I, should make Michigan fans maybe feel a little bit better about a, a game back in 2007. App State oh, taking down number yes. six, Texas A&M. Uh, how I did mean, I miss that one? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? App State strikes again. Yeah. Yes, they did. Texas yeah. A&M looks stunned, absolutely stunned in that game. But yeah, App State, give them a lot of credit. You know, you know, everybody kind of poo-poo's App State, but they have had a solid program, better, better solid program for a number of years. And, you know, they came close against a number of big guys. I know it wasn't too long ago they came close against Tennessee, and Tennessee barely escaped. And there have been other teams that barely escaped from App State. So that program's Pretty good, but I didn't, I didn't want to pass that up. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's well, a big one, man. All right. Well, kudos to App State. So let's get into this MSU game against Akron the other night, and then let's talk a little bit about their upcoming game with Washington. So, so what was your, your pick? Was uh, MSU in the – Under 56.5 points. And I'll tell you why in just a second. But let's start talking with talking about Akron over the weekend. So – Here's the good news for MSU is that when I watched the game, and I was really impressed with MSU this weekend, Akron only ran for 26 yards, but unfortunately they threw for 203 with a 65% completion rate. It's not terrible, except for it's against Akron, right? And yeah. uh, a 52 nothing win, you know, State did what they were supposed to do. They had 496 yards of total offense. Peyton Thor didn't look spectacular, but he was 18 to 28. Only had 212 yards for a 7.6% or 7.6 yards per completion average there. But the running game was very solid. Berger and Broussard both had nearly 100 yards for the game. I mean, what were some of the things that you noticed when you watched that game last week? What were you thinking when you were watching the MSU game? I think I stated last week, you know, that going to have a very different feeling than the Western game where I had that feeling that, wow, MSU is in trouble. And still, you know, I, Akron is projected to be last in the MAC, but they came out. The DJ Irons came out, and he was giving them fits with his feet. Uh, he made a, a number of good runs. And his first downs, he got injured later on, so they had their second string quarterback in there. They had their third string running back in. You know, Akron did, and so you know, game was over. The other thing that killed 
Akron with the fumbles, man. They had six fumbles and four were lost. If they hadn't made those mistakes, uh, Akron might have given a run for the money at least in the first half. But I thought, again, yeah, I thought Berger was uh, really solid. You know, his production was down six and a half to versus seven and a half yards per carry. <laughs> right. Still pretty darn, pretty, pretty yeah. darn good. Still pretty you know? productive, right. Yeah. And I saw, you know, Thorne again was inconsistent. He hit on some, but overthrew a couple, missed on a couple. Looking at what they have to do to improve, I, I think, one, they got to get more consistency out of Thorne. They definitely have to get more consistency there. Rushing game, I think that's a plus. They, uh, they rushed for 260 yards. And so it was a pretty balanced attack, actually, between the uh, you know, passing and rushing. But the rushing, uh, I think, is good. So probably don't need to improve there. But I think the other area may be the D had some difficulty with irons when he was running. If they come up against another dual threat quarterback, they're going to have to do something about containing that uh, quarterback when they go to run. Yeah, we're in sync on this one. I agree with you. I thought MSU's running game was solid. I do feel like Thorne struggled a bit again and doesn't really seem to be where he was at the end of last year. But we disagree on the, the run defense. I thought Michigan State's run defense was outstanding. Again, they only gave up 26 yards. And I know some of that is sack yardage, but I'm just really impressed with their running D. Not was much less impressed with their pass coverage. So if you were asking me, where does MSU need to improve? I would say they need to improve their pass coverage and they need to improve their quarterback play. Um, kind of very similar points that I had last week. I saw the same thing again this week. Um, they're a really good football team. They're the third best team, at least in the Big Ten. They might even be better met by the end of the season. I like the team a lot. I like what Mel Tucker is doing, but I still think that well, they've got some questions to answer in their pass coverage for sure. Yeah, and I don't think we really differed that much. I was just specifically to Irons and a, a scrambling quarterback. I think they had some difficulty there. If he had stayed in the game, you know, who knows? Uh, he, he may have made a, a greater difference, even though, you know, I don't think Akron was going to win. But no, the D, otherwise, I think, yeah, obviously very strong against the run. There was a lot of sack yardage, especially that backup quarterback. Yeah. Uh, but overall, they didn't have that many yards anyway. So how'd we do on the wagers with on the MSU game last week? How'd we do there? So you said 54 to nothing. So you were almost right on on the score. Okay. And I was uh, 49 to seven. So not quite, but you know, not that far off. I thought Akron might actually score seven. I did mention that uh, Berger, I thought he might run for uh, 200 yards. I think he only touched the ball 16 or 17 times. You give him a few more, maybe 10 more rushes, and he might get close to that 200. So, yeah, those those guys anyway. were shut down early in the game. So, yeah, there was yeah. No, no chance yeah. of 200 yards. Yeah. So, you know, those, those are the two that I had recorded there, Randy, from the last week. Okay, yeah, I think the wager was 54 and a half, which lost. Yeah. You, if and, you had that, and they had 52 points. And the line was 21 and a half. Yeah, which they covered, obviously. So Michigan State now one and one against the point spread for the season and one and one on the over wager for the season uh, going into next week. Let's look at Washington now. Washington's a three and a half point favorite, which is a surprise to me. I really (laughs) thought Michigan State would be favored in this game, even if it's played in Washington. And the over under is 56 and a half. Yeah. So. 
let's talk about the game real quick before we give our picks. I, Michael Penix is a quarterback. Remember him? He played at Indiana. He was 20 for 27 against Portland State last week. Didn't look real sharp. I mean, it's hard to say a guy who went 20 for 27 doesn't look that sharp, but I mean, he didn't look like J.J. looked against Hawaii last week for sure. I mean, he's he still got a little bit of a running threat to him. You know, Washington's played two cupcakes, so it's really hard to tell who they are. I mean, what are your thoughts on Washington, Dane? Do you think they're all that in a bag of chips? I really don't. I agree with you. Yeah, a couple cupcakes. I don't think their play has been uh, you know, all that impressive. And again, it's, it's really hard to tell. Again, we're early in the season. So many of these, you know, unless we really know it's going to be a blowout. This, so this is the first time really MSU is going to get any challenge whatsoever. I'm going to take MSU and the, the three and a half points, and I would take the under on this one. Hey, you and I, again, are once again in sync. That's exactly where I'm at. I got okay. MSU winning this game 20-17. to 17. I see this as a low-scoring affair. I think both defenses here are better than their offenses. I know Washington's defense is for sure better than their offense, and I think State's is too. So I'm going with MSU to win the game, but to cover, I think to cover easily. I might even consider taking on a money line if you're looking for some you know, value. So, yeah. Yeah, the only drawback is it's, you know, Washington, three-hour time difference. Right, 7.30 prime up. time game. People are going to be yeah. up, right? Crowd's going to be so, nuts. But yeah, you know, yeah. one way or the other, though, we're going to find out about MSU on Saturday night, for sure. We're going to find out. Yeah, so I'm, I'm close with you. I, I think it's going to be a lower scoring, obviously, since I took the under. But I've got each team with, a like, a touchdown more. i got 28-24 for a final with MSU taking them. Oh, that's that's right on the over-under. Wow, 28-24. Okay. So we both got the under. I, I see it being a bigger defensive struggle than you do. So Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, so let's talk about Michigan football here. And, boy, they had a really nice, really interesting win over Hawaii on Saturday. Hawaii put up very little resistance, and I, everybody knew the game was going to be a blow. So it was really kind of – you know, no interest in the outcome, but there was a lot of interest around how J.J. McCarthy would do in that game. And he came out and he played gangbusters. He, um, he really did. Yeah. They scored in every possession that he led them on in the set in the first half. I don't remember him playing in the second half. He may have. I was was late by with, with the hour lightning delay on that game. I, you know, I was probably asleep for most of the second half. But uh, wow. I mean, what a debut. I mean. What do you think this means for the future of Michigan football? I'm really excited about the future of Michigan football. And uh, I think you and I, when we were together watching that game, we both said, you know, uh, the energy level is different when he gets on the field with the whole team. You get Kate on the field. And, I, you know, I, I was disappointed that it seemed like the linemen let him down. You know, Zinter, and I can't remember the other one, but they, uh, they just poor blocky. So he gets sacked, you know, a couple of times and it was disappointing. It looked like the team did not play as well for Cade as they did for JJ. But like I say, he brings a different energy to that team. And I think everyone is excited to, you know, have him as, as the leader in there. So I'm of the opinion that Cade McNamara is going to transfer at the end of the season. Yeah. What do you, do you think that also? 
Yeah, I, I think I think so. And uh, I was even going to ask you, you know, what do you see a shakeup? I mean, maybe it's still a little early, but do you see a shakeup in the quarterback order with no. Michigan? And no. it's, it's not because I don't think Davis Warren's capable of being yeah. the backup. I think it's because Jim Harbaugh is a loyal guy, and I think that he knows that he owes Cade for last year. I cannot see him publicly declaring Cade number three. I just don't see it happening. I mean, he played really poorly this week, and he played, you could say he played poorly in week one as well. But I think that has more to do with the situation and what his role abilities are. I think he's playing with the world on his shoulders. And unfortunately, they need to talk him off the ledge because they're going to need him at some point this season, I think. I would agree. I was just thinking about that. Davis Warren looked really good. <laughs> yeah, he well, he does look good. And that's a kid who was really undervalued in the recruiting process. So really great to see him play well. So yeah. JJ, 17 to 22, 17, nine yards per play. What a great debut. So and the, the, the running game for Michigan looks like more of a finesse running game than last year. And did I see that Donovan Edwards was hurt in the game? Did that happen? Yeah, he limped off the field as a right leg, I believe. And, and Harbaugh's been really tight-lipped on this one. He said, yeah, you know, it's one of his, yeah, we're just working through something. You know, that's all he'll say. I don't expect to see him this week. They don't need him this week to play. So, uh, you know, we got Stokes uh, that can move up to number two running back. And he's an exciting, you know, freshman. How about that Gash kid, too, right? Yeah. yeah, How how about that kid? I was surprised to see how well he played. So, all right, let's talk about three takeaways that are not quarterback related from the game. Oh, are not quarterback related. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause I think we, I think they, they we're beating the quarterback situation to death. All I, think, right. I think everybody's tired of talking about that. Let's talk about the team. And if we had three takeaways from that game outside of quarterback, what would they be? Okay. Mine would be even with Edwards hurt, the running game will be okay. I mean, everything like we just talked about Stokes, even Gash. I mean, I think, even with that, we're going to be okay, uh, certainly for upcoming next couple of games. Penalties, they had three for 35, so we got to be careful there. They were really good the first week. Second week, they got a little, little more careless, but nothing that really hurt them that bad. My other one was that <laughs> J.J. must be more than solid. So I didn't, other than that, um, I didn't have that, uh, that many takeaways other than they played really well again. The yeah. line, when Cade's in there, needs to play better. I'll say that. I think the line needs to play better, period. I didn't think they ran the ball that effectively. I mean, yeah, they did. But I think there were also plays where, you know, being stopped by Hawaii for no gain at the line of scrimmage, the pass protection broke down on several occasions. You know, I think, and you can blame three or four guys. Zenner had a bad one. Trent A. Jones had a bad one. Ryan Hayes had a bad set. That offensive line really needs to improve. And one of the other things that, I, that I'm that i worried about going into the season for Michigan is conditioning. you got guys that are only playing a quarter or playing a half, right? I mean, yeah, we're about true. to get into the heart of the Big Ten season, and these guys haven't done any, hardly, hardly played any time. Um I would like to see Jim Harbaugh in this week going into the UConn game playing his starters well into the third quarter, maybe early into the fourth quarter, just from a conditioning perspective. So you and I are on the same, I mean, wavelength there, definitely. In fact, JJ needs longer play time, but I think everyone, all the starters need a longer play time. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't care if we score a hundred points on UConn, right? Yeah, let's let's I see know. it. Let's see them turn them loose and let them play. That's what I say. Yeah, we got Maryland coming up, right? Big Ten play starts. Well, not this week. I mean, after UConn. No, no, right? I, after UConn. That's right. what I'm saying. UConn, we've got to tune them up. Yeah, we got to tune them up. So let's let's talk about UConn real quick. It's a noon game on Saturday. The line is 46 and a half. The over-under is 58. Another cupcake. So I had mentioned this last week. I mean, I, I don't mind playing a cupcake or two during the preseason, but when I see Michigan play the teams that are ranked 117, 123, and 124 out of 131 teams. I know these schedules are made a couple of years in advance, but UConn is actually ranked one spot below Hawaii in the power ranking. We're going to know nothing, nothing about this team coming out of the preseason, right? Yeah. Out, of this, out of this non-conference season. So Syracuse looks like a world beater compared to UConn. I don't know. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on going into the UConn game? What do you see here? Oh, I see uh, another blowout. And UConn, I just, they, don't, they, they just can't put up the defense or they're not going to be able to put up the offense against our defense. I, I see a blowout. I, I've got it 62-7. Uh, to seven. So, obviously, I do the over and do the points for Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. And it, especially if they do like we think they should do, where they're playing the starters, you know, three quarters, and then leave that last quarter for the reserves, I think definitely they could put up at least 60. I'm going to tell you my prediction. And I don't really know because, again, the hardest part about picking a game like this for Michigan is that how long are the starters going to be in the game? Is Jim Harbaugh going to try to run out the clock in the third and fourth quarters, you know? I just think Michigan can score as much as they want to in this game. And I, I've got them at 70 to three. 70 to three. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's 70 to three. I don't really know what else to say about that. I, I hope that the reason for the schedule and the, the strategy around the schedule is that Michigan is hiding their playbook, you know, which would be another thing that maybe keep the score a little bit lower. But I think yeah, you saw that, exactly. that, that play they ran last week, the first series where, J.J. threw the 50-something-yard touchdown pass. That guy was wide open by 10 yards. They probably could have done that 10 times in the game if they wanted to. They probably could have five yeah. week, yeah. yeah. So, okay, anyway, that's enough about Michigan. Uh, well, uh, I do have one more thing, uh, one thing that Michigan still needs to improve, and that's the coin toss. They're 0-2 <laughs> on the coin toss, man. Yeah. What? This is good. I hope they're 0-3 after this weekend, right? Here we go. Okay, let's talk about the local MAC teams. Central lost to South Alabama 38-24 to go to 0-2. They seem like a much better team than 0-2 to me. But uh, here's their problem is they've got a really good offense. Again, their defense cannot get off the field on third down. I said earlier this year that I thought Central would be the class of the MAC, but I'm kind of leaning toward Western Michigan now. Are you on that train or are you, are you thinking something else? Are you talking about the class of Michigan? Or just the Michigan? or the No, of, of the MAC. The MAC. Well, the other team to keep in mind is Toledo. Toledo is uh, 2-0. and They're playing Ohio State this weekend. That so makes them 2-1. <laughs> oh, well, probably be 2-1, and one, but it'll be interesting to see how well they play against you know, Ohio. Ohio hasn't looked overly impressive as the number three team in the nation. But they've done enough to win, and you know they've certainly scored some points, and their defense is playing pretty well. 
really interested in seeing what Toledo does here. But I think in the MAC now, after CMU lost here, uh, lost to a lesser team than who is it, Oklahoma State, that you know where they put up forty-four points. And I, I don't see them as strong as I thought they were previously. Western did win thirty-seven thirty over Ball State, but I think let's see what Toledo does. Toledo has been a powerhouse in that uh, conference for a while along with Northern Illinois. So again, I'm really interested to see what they do this week. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing Western play Pitt this weekend. That's going to be a, yeah. you know, Pitt yeah. considers himself a big time program. You know, Western has got an offense that can really run with anybody. They proved that against Michigan state. And you know, the question is, will they be able to stop Pitt? So uh, I'll just say to Pitt fans, you better not sleep on Western Michigan this weekend. And then Eastern got clobbered by Louisiana Tech 49-21 to go 1-1 one one on the season. And they play at Arizona State on Saturday night. Tough game for the Eagles there. Tough preseason schedule for the oh, yeah. Eagles. It's going to make them up that much tougher, I guess, during the MAC season. I like their team. I just don't know that they really have the defense to go with what's turning into would be a pretty good offense. So we'll see how they do. They're 1-1 one one on the season. Yeah. Okay, so this was the first weekend of the NFL, Dane. Yes, it was. So we, we should probably kick it off. I know Bob always gives us these great trivia things. It says Bob is uh, gallivanting around Vegas with his with his girlfriend. Oh, I mean his wife. Uh, <laughs> you know, slip. Yeah, Freudian slip here. I have a story about Bob and Eleanor real quick. So Bob and Eleanor celebrated their 40th wedding anniversary, Boogie Bob. So I remember having a beer with Bob and I were probably, you know, 21 years old, 22, maybe Bob's a little older than me. So we're having a beer and they had separated. They had been dating a long time and they separated apart. And Bob was really heartbroken over, you know, L. And so he was telling me the story about how he was going to get L back. And, you know, basically said he called L and said, hey, can I come over and see you? And L said, Bob, I'm sorry, I can't. I really got, I'm really busy tonight. And Bob says, can I come by and see you after he leaves? <laughs> <laughs> and Bob did. And he got Eleanor. And they've been together for 40 years. So uh, congratulations, yeah, Bob. Congrats. And, yeah, congratulations, brother. And enjoy your congrats. time in Vegas. So I'm going to do your trivia question here, Bob. Dane, I'm, you, you have to guess because I already know the answer, obviously. The Detroit Lions last won the NFL championship in 1957, beating the Cleveland Browns 59-14 to in that game. The next season, the Lions unexpectedly traded the quarterback who had led their team to three NFL championships for a prospect and some draft picks, and he was not happy. In his anger, this quarterback put a 50-year curse on the Lions, which has come to fruition, obviously. Not won a championship since. Who was that quarterback? That was Bobby Lane. Yeah, you know, back 50 years. Okay, so it's 2007, 2008 time frame. You know, I'm going, oh, 50. Wait, the 50-year curse is over. <laughs> oh, huh? oh, I see what you're saying. The 50-year curse is over in 2007. The 50-year yeah. curse is over. I understand the 50-year curse. But the 50-year curse was over, and they still can't win. So uh, <laughs> only yeah, a Bobby Lane, Bobby only Lane. a Lions fan would say, "Okay, we served our 50 years. It's okay now, <laughs> but now we want to win." Yeah, right. Okay, so anyway, so uh, I have one for you too. Okay. Oh no. Okay, because you're much better at this than I am. But go ahead. All right. Well, oh, I'll try not to give away the answer like Bob did last <laughs> week. 
<laughs> okay. What was the team name and where were they from before they became the Detroit Lions? What was the team name? Weren't they in Fort Wayne? And uh, yeah, or maybe no, Toledo, but, Fort Wayne or Toledo or something like that. Yeah. Right. I know they were just outside of the state. I have no idea what their previous name was. What was it? So they were the Portsmouth Spartans. Well, where's Portsmouth? So just like it's in Ohio, I believe. So it's yeah, it is just outside of Detroit area. What year was but that? Interesting with that. 1928. Wow. So 28, they start the Portsmouth Spartans. And in 1934, George Richards, who actually owned WJR, who's a big AM station there in Detroit, of course, he moved them to Detroit and called them Detroit Lions. And this was mainly because, you know, the Tigers were already playing, so he wanted it to be animal-based. And uh, he wanted the team to be the king of the NFL. Well, we know what's happened since. Yeah. Maybe up to 57, they were doing okay. Since yeah. Then. We've been but closer anyways, to the yeah, cowardly yeah. lion than we have been to the king and, uh, of the jungle. 1934 is uh, when they got moved to Detroit. Right. Well, okay. Well, our beloved Lions lose to the Eagles this weekend, 38-35. Wow. Here's a couple key stats <laughs> in the game. We really were hurt by Jalen Hurts running for 90 yards. Their quarterback ran for 90 yards. Philly had 450 yards of total offense and converted 70% of their third down attempts. And a lot of those, well, some of those were 10 yards or more. And the Lions, to their credit, put up 400 yards of offense in a losing effort, even with a ton of drops by their receivers. What did you take away from that game? Did you, have, did you walk away feeling better about the Lions or worse? In one aspect, I felt better in that the number of points they actually scored. Typically, teams win when they score 35 points. Right. So we can score 35 points every game this season. I think we've got a good chance. I mean, with the defense, the run defense was uh, just not good. And Hurts, I think you mentioned it last week about, you know, Hurts, and they've got to, they can't let Hurts, you know, really hurt them. But he did. I mean, he put the hurts on him, I'll tell you. I think that was the, the big difference. Yeah. But the run game. And then, again, you know, we talked about last week, too, with uh, discipline. I'm trying to remember who it was, a penalty towards the end of the game where, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct, I believe it was, which really hurt us. And so there you go again. Uh, undisciplined team, new coach, same stupid penalties. Yeah. Four things that really just stuck out to me when I was watching the game. One is that, our secondary still is terrible. And Jeffrey Okuda, on one play, I watched him walk up to have an opportunity to get in on a tackle and stood there and let his teammates do the work. Now, I recognize he's a corner he's paid to cover, but you still got a tackle out there. To me, that, that guy, before they drafted him, he's a bust, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they lost contain the whole game. Now, I, I get it. You lose contain a couple times early in the game, but you make an adjustment somewhere. Make an adjustment, and they didn't. And they lost contain pretty much the whole game. I think you can't do that. Aiden Hutchinson, a non-factor in the game. Again, Okuda's your first-round draft choice uh, last year or the year before, I can't remember which. And Aiden's, you know, your first-round draft choice this year. Both of them are non-factors in the game. That can't be. Your first-round draft choice has got to be impact players, right? 
Now, I'm not saying that Aiden won't be an impact player going forward. I know there's a lot of Wolverine fans on this and listen to this podcast, but let's be honest, he was a non-factor in game one. Yeah, then, he was. And I agree with you, Dane, about the offense. I think the offense actually looked better than what I expected. But even if they score 35 points a game, man, they cannot play defense like that. If I'm the coach there, and I know I probably wouldn't last long in the NFL, but I would be saying to these guys, hey, you're playing for jobs here. Come on. You guys got to get up. You got to hit people. You got to make plays. The NFL stands for not for long, right? And That's uh, exactly right. Yeah, you got to get in there and you got to you got to make some stuff happen on defense. They got to make that defense better. And I hope on their next draft, that's where they're concentrating their their capital. Okay, well, how did we do on the bets last week, Dane? First of all, for the Lions, not real good. <laughs> okay, let's hear how. Um, let's hear it. You said that the Eagles will cover the minus four, and yeah. they didn't. Oh yeah, my, I lost by one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, thirty-one seventeen. So. You were a little low. Uh, I was 21-14, very low. Uh, Certainly, both teams scored a lot more points than I expected. Said I was concerned about the secondary and the running defense. And, of course, there you go. There you go. And then uh, Bob took the under also at 24-17. So, yeah, uh, they were over. And also, you know, the points. Eagles then covered. So, we didn't do all that well. Okay. (laughs) So this week they play the Washington Commanders. I hate that name, by the way. And the the Lions are two and a half point favorites, surprisingly. And the over under is 49 points. Washington obviously is a power running team. They only had 85 yards of passing versus the Jaguars, which is one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah. So that's going to bode well for Detroit, who's not very good at covering the pass. So there we go. Carson Wentz had a quarterback rating of 46.2 against Jacksonville. That's bad. Very bad. Yeah. So going into the game, Dane, what's your prediction for the game? I think, you know, with the power running that uh, Washington does, and unfortunately the weak Lion run defense, I think Washington will end up beating the Lions. Unfortunately, the Lions are at home again. That could be a difference. I think it'll be a close game, just like last week's. I've got Washington winning, actually, 32-29. to 29. So I'm taking the over on that one. Yeah, I agree with you on the over. I like the over, too. My game prediction is Detroit 27, Washington 24. I'm going to take the Lions to uh, win outright. And the only reason I'm doing it is because both defenses stink, and I think that Washington stinks a little <laughs> more than Detroit. And I actually think Detroit's got a better offense to a more balanced one for sure. So one of the things I was pleased with this week is how well the Raw Lions ran the football. I see them running all over Washington. You know, I had the line of 6-11 for the season going into to the season. I still see that. But I, 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 I got to tell you, I walked away from this Sunday more impressed than depressed. Yeah, and I, I would agree. I think it was the first podcast talked about how we really need a running game this year. And I think we're seeing that. We are seeing a definite improvement in their running game. So if the D steps it up, um, stopping the rush, I, I think the offense showed us that they can score even with some of the mishaps they had. So that was good. Yeah. But certainly this last weekend, D you know, stood for disappointment, definitely disappointing in how the D played. So we'll see. We'll okay. see. And I hope you're right, actually. 
that the Lions can pull this one out. Yeah, great. Well, hey, that's it for our show today. We're going to have a great weekend of football coming up this weekend. I think we're all excited about it. Before we go here, I just want to remind you all that this podcast is part of the Lowdown Motown Sports Facebook page. Feel free to join our community Facebook page on, again, it's Lowdown Motown Sports. We are continually posting new content there for Michigan sports news, and we enjoy hearing from you all there as well as we are free to leave your comments. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week on the next edition of Lowdown on Motown Sports. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lowdown on Motown Sports podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, then why don't you do us a solid and hit that follow button and share our podcast with fellow friends who love Motown sports. That helps others find the show. And, you know, we're pretty awesome, so why not share the awesomeness? We appreciate it. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Lowdown on Motown Sports podcast.